Support for Milledgeville Matters comes from Georgia College, Georgia's public liberal arts university, providing the experience students would expect from a private college with the affordability of a public university. For more information, gcsu.edu. Thank you for tuning in to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. I'm your host, Daniel McDonald, and today we continue our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. The Times Talk is a weekly current events and ideas symposium that takes place at noon Wednesdays in the Ina Dillard Russell Library on the campus of Georgia College in downtown Milledgeville. These events are free and open to the public, so if this discussion sparks your interest, please consider joining the conversation at noon Wednesdays in the Georgia College Library. The topic of our conversation for this time's talk is LGBTQ inequality. And we're especially focusing on a trends in hate crimes against people who are LGBTQ or identified that way. Joining me in the studio are Cole Brogdon, Austin Von Kutzleben, and Paige Overmeyer. Welcome to the WRGC studio. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Mm-hmm. The pleasure is all mine. And and I do want to mention that y'all are all students of Georgia College. Is that correct? Yes, yes sir. Yep. It's so common that we have faculty members and staff members. I want to just give y'all a special welcome. Thank you very much for coming out here and joining me today. So the conversation is about LGBTQ inequality. And it looks like y'all are focusing in on hate crimes that are being committed against people who might identify as LGBTQ. I was wondering if we could start off the conversation just by describing for our audience a little bit about what y'all have seen in your research and, and what's noteworthy and y'all be talking about in the Times Talk. We'll just be talking about I think the lack of media attention with the LGBT community with the violence associated with that. And the New York Times article is kind of enforcing how there isn't a lot of media attention. So it's kind of bringing to audience, like, the effects of this. What? And the article that you're mentioning, it came out in the wake of the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando. And, of course, if, if anyone was unaware of hate crimes being committed against LGBTQ people, uh, this put it front and center for the weeks after that. Um, is this something that's that's out of the blue? Is it just um, one incident in a a sea of of hate crimes that y'all have seen in your research? Or is it, again, a part of a trend that y'all may have seen and researched? What we have really seen is that even though the net homicide rates have actually gone down, uh, in recent years, there's actually been an increase in the number of hate crimes against LGBTQ people nationwide. And I think it's also important to recognize that even though the Orlando shooting was a mass, mass issue, mass murders, um, that it was also just a small fraction of the homicides in the LGBT community that have been going on. Even though it was brought forward, there's a lot of smaller, just single deaths that just haven't been brought forward in the media that we haven't brought our attention to yet. And as we talk about the media attention of, of this crime and these crimes, is the media attention that's focused on hate crimes against LGBTQ people commiserate with the coverage of other hate crimes against other groups of people? I don't think it's, it matches what the media has covered in other situations, especially regarding black and Hispanic deaths. We see a lot more of those come forward in the media, but we don't really see any of the LGBTQ come forth in the media unless they are like these mass shootings like we saw in Orlando. 
of course, you know, I think we'd be speculating at this, but why do y'all think that is? Why did it take this shooting, this horrific crime, to actually bring this to more of a, na a national focus? I think primarily because the garish nature of this crime, it kind of has the shock factor. And once this is taken into account, you really start to analyze the nation as a whole and what caused these crimes to begin with. And overall, we started to realize that, oh, this wasn't just an isolated incident, that there are many other cases of a single murder or violence or abuse that we just don't really notice in general, primarily because they are underreported and the kind of taboo topic associated with it. I think another important thing to think about is just the long-winded racial tension in America, which has been something so prevalent that between blacks and whites, both in the media and just in like social tensions that people, that's always the first thing brought to our attention. So we kind of put away these other social issues being LGBT. And uh, we actually don't hear much about like Jewish deaths, but that's also been a huge problem uh, in hate crimes. The black and white racial tension has always kind of been in the forefront of, of our site. And do you think that that may be a part of it that when we think about hate crimes against people of, of different races and ethnicities, there are these outward indicators that place people into these groups, whereas if you are LGBTQ, you can actually be of every race, gender, ethnicity, and background, and that ubiquity of this portion of our country makes it fly under the radar a little bit, possibly. Yeah, I think it's definitely harder to identify and uh, report a lot of those LGBT hate crimes just because it's not as simple as just looking at someone. There's a lot more that goes into it. And I would say also that, you know, potentially that simply because a person is LGBTQ, that's not exactly the first and foremost identifier that that person may have for themselves. Um, that may not be the main indicator of their personality and who they see themselves as. So in their mind, possibly it may not be reportable as a hate crime or, um, you know, what they figure the um, attack may have been about, possibly. Yeah, I feel like they definitely don't get a lot of attention at all. When police are reporting these crimes, they see like a homicide or anything else like theft or something more worthy of being reported. But LGBTQ crimes, they're kind of like there's a big gray space there. So they don't really know how to report it. And a lot of them just go unreported. Well, we're going to talk about that gray space a little bit more in our next segment. Uh, but in this segment, we have run out of time. So we're going to take a short break. But if you're just joining us, you're listening to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. We're continuing today our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. Today, we're talking about LGBTQ inequality and uh, through the lens of hate crimes and hate crime reporting. I'm joined in the studio today by Cole Brogdon, Austin Von Kutzleben, and Paige Overmeyer. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections.
Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections and WRGC. We're having another Times Talk conversation today. I'm joined in the studio by Paige Overmeyer, Austin Von Kutzleben, and Cole Brogdon. And they're here today to talk about LGBTQ inequality, especially through the lens of hate crimes that are targeted at LGBTQ peoples. So I think the information that you're presenting in its own right is alarming. But one of the things that I read out of the article that was a little bit more troubling to me is the fact that these alarming numbers of hate crimes targeted at LGBTQ people may not even be accurate, may not even be close to accurate, may be very well underneath what is actually happening because it's labeling these hate crimes can be very difficult and multifaceted. So I thought in this segment, if we might talk about some of the challenges to knowing the extent that hate crime is being targeted at LGBTQ people. Yes, I think one of the main issues is probably underreporting, considering the fact that so many different LGBTQ individuals may not even be completely out of the closet. There could be a bunch of other factors that are contributing to it. And additionally, it's not necessarily an immediately observable fact about their personality, making it very complicated to report on it or to even come forward with it and say, hey, I was a victim of a hate crime. Yeah. And according to the local jurisdictions, a lot of these hate crimes aren't actually classified as hate crimes. So that's why a lot of them go unreported. And different cities have different measures for reporting hate crimes, such as like Huntington, Indiana probably doesn't have as many LGBT people in the community, so they don't know how to report a hate crime, and they don't know how to go about that, whereas, like, New York City, they have a lot more to report with that. A lot more people represented in these groups, and therefore they may actually make it a target of their policing to be more receptive to these kinds of crimes. Well, that begs the question is, are there any national standards for reporting a, hate crimes in the larger umbrella uh, bucket, but then as they are winnowed down to hate crimes based upon a person's sexual identity, is there any national standard? Scratching at national standards by police organizations such as uh, the New York City Police Department or anything like that. I think it's hard to identify an actual national standard as a ways or a means to actually report these homicides. But I think one of the things that we uh, have to look at is that that we've always had this changing idea of what a hate crime actually is. And it's not until here recently in the 2000s that the FBI has actually brought forth their identification and definition of a hate crime. So this constantly changing definition of a hate crime has kind of been troubling in trying to determine what can and cannot be reported as a hate crime. And once we actually get a solid definition that we can hold true to, uh, it'll become a lot easier to actually set a standard for reporting. And specifically relating to the LGBTQ community, we have to come forward with a standard definition that then we can then use to uh, come up with a, a means of reporting. And there's something that I want to go back in that we were talking about in the break, just in that uh, we're talking about some people who may be the victims of these crimes in our LGBTQ they may not be out within their communities, and that may complicate the way that they report this, and therefore it may not be seen as a hate crime. It may just be seen as any other assault or, um, and heaven forbid, also a homicide. Is there anything in y'all's research that speaks to that and maybe trend lines within just people, I guess, self-reporting these as hate crimes and not allowing it to be simply in the hands of law enforcement? Yes, there 
is a general trend that people that are in the closet, it will not be considered a hate crime purely because they are not out publicly. And so if, for instance, it actually is a homicide, there's going to be no real way of collecting that it was on the basis of their sexuality or gender identity. Additionally, when they are in the closet, there's going to be a lot more of a low profile. And generally speaking, people are going to try to suppress those aspects of themselves. So when something actually does happen that involves it, they're probably not even going to come forward with it because that would require them to directly tell the public like, hey, I am LGBTQ. And to your knowledge, when reporting a hate crime, is that something that the victim has to identify as a potential motive for the assault that took place? Or is that, again, uh, something that is a, an aspect of the investigation that's initiated by the law enforcement officials? Okay, there's not exactly a completely solid definition of a hate crime to begin with. The FBI just kind of lays out the general groundwork for a hate crime, but different states and different cities have different definitions of it, and they also have different procedures for going about it. So it's hard to pin down exactly if it's a thing that the victim has to come forward with or if it's something that is in the kind of post-analysis of the crime. Yeah, I feel like it kind of depends on the place of where this is happening. And I guess we could, within our minds, make aspersions about, again, it's probably more written into the procedures in larger cities uh, with larger populations. And that may not be the same as we get out in some of our more rural states, uh, cities within those rural states. And um, I imagine political climate of those states may also factor into this as well. Well, it's happened again. We're out of time in this segment. So we're going to take another short break. But if you're just joining us, we're talking about the issues of hate crimes being perpetrated against people in the LGBTQ community. Joining me in the studio are Cole Brogdon, Austin Von Kutzleben, and Paige Overmeyer. This, of course, is another of our Times Talk conversations. If you're enjoying our conversation and you feel that you have a part that you would like to contribute to it, I want to invite you to come out to the Georgia College Library at noon on Wednesdays. This Wednesday, we'll be talking about this issue, the LGBTQ inequality, and as it's seen through the lens of hate crime and hate crime reporting. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back with more Georgia College Connections. Thank you for staying tuned to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. 
Today, again, we're having another of our Times Talk conversations. This is a part of our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College, just to open these Times Talks up to our radio audience. Today, we're talking about LGBTQ inequality as seen through the lens of hate crimes and hate crime reporting. I'm joined in the studio today by Cole Brogdon, Paige Overmeyer, and Austin von Kutzleben. Now, when looking back at the Times article that y'all are presenting in this conversation, one of the most striking ideas to me was that we're seeing an increase in hate crimes against people who are LGBTQ at the same time that LGBTQ issues are receiving greater social acceptance in our country and possibly even worldwide. I was wondering if y'all might share any reflections y'all have on these two conflicting patterns that are taking place at the same time in the present. I think especially because of the increased social acceptance and maybe even the social presence of LGBTQ people because we are creating an environment and a language that these people feel like they can come forward and be more open about these aspects of their lives it can create this tension in people that may disagree with it or may even deem that kind of lifestyle or way of living inferior. And because of that, they feel like they have to take matters into their own hand because they feel like society is almost betraying them in a sense. And that because of this increased social acceptance and this increased legislature of acceptance and tolerance towards these people, they feel like they have to take matters into their own hands and almost deface their property, attack them, or of any of these kinds of hate crimes that we are seeing. Exactly. I feel like there's somewhat of an increase in homophobia because, like Cole said, these people feel kind of isolated in society. They feel like nobody else agrees with their beliefs. So they have to, like, strengthen their beliefs and say, no, this is wrong. I need to fight against this. So usually they react with violence against LGBTQ community. And I think something important to recognize with what Paige is saying, that there definitely has been an increase in homophobia in certain cases. But I think as a whole in the nation, homophobia has been decreased. But in those individuals who are not comfortable with it in the first place, they're becoming even more radicalized. And that's where we're seeing these issues come forward with the LGBT community, that the homophobia has gotten worse in some cases. If we can keep this trend moving forward, where as a whole the nation is moving towards getting away from homophobia and being more accepting of this, then maybe we can see those trends of these people who are becoming radicalized. Maybe we can see that change. Yeah, we're slowly seeing changes. And in 2015, when gay marriage was legalized, we saw a lot of hate crimes. So there's a lot of bumps, but I think we're steadily going to increase acceptance. It is a dichotomy in a sense that we are coming to a time of more social acceptance, but yet that social acceptance is itself a trigger for increased violence and also you know other means of acting out against the LGBTQ community. Now, of course, it's about a week after the most recent presidential election, and this administration, in what it is saying, and its backgrounds, its past history, it presents some ambiguity about how this new administration might view LGBTQ issues. Of course, you know, this is all speculation at its best, but how are y'all viewing the challenges that face the LGBTQ community, as well as this new administration on these issues of LGBTQ equality. I feel like the president-elect Donald Trump, I've read some articles and apparently he's putting a standstill on the whole thing. So him, as well as a lot of the nation, they don't really know how to react to this. So 
I personally think he's going to not acknowledge it. Like, he does not acknowledge a lot of the things he's unsure about. There's going to be an ambiguity within the whole thing for the next few years at least. Um, I definitely agree uh, with Paige that he hasn't really gone forward and said anything specifically on what he wants to do as far as LGBT policy. But I think it's interesting to look at kind of like what he's done in the past. In the past, he's promised to offer protection from violence and oppression for LGBT communities from hateful ideology. And it'll be interesting to see if he actually goes forward with that. As a Republican, that's just not something that's often been said and come forth and said about. And he's been criticized as being homophobic, but it'll be interesting to see which stance he takes with that. We've even seen uh, in some of his new speeches that he's actually, in his Republican National Convention, he actually had an openly gay co-founder of PayPal had him speak on beha- on his behalf on the Republican National Convention. And he's actually looking to appoint an openly gay cabinet member for the UN ambassador position. So it'll just be interesting to see if these actions actually mirror his policies that he comes forward with. And if they do, then it could be promising in, uh, in terms of LGBT oppression. Uh, we could see that decrease in terms of policy. Regardless, I feel like the people are going to move forward, regardless of what Donald Trump says or does, because we've progressed so much. And as a nation, we're being more accepting towards others. So we're going to continue to be more accepting with the whole community and LGBTQ community. And I think as a nation, as a population, we do need to focus our attention on acceptance and battling this oppression ourselves rather than just relying on policy to make these changes, because when it really comes down to it, it's up to us and not what the uh, electors tell us to do. And so it's time now for our perennial last Times Talk question. And that's um, when you're presenting tomorrow, what do you hope the audience takes away from this conversation? I hope they really take away a kind of critical thought on LGBTQ inequality and hate crimes as a more broad topic, because like what Austin said, the people are in charge a lot of the times before the legislation even is, how social change creates the precedence for laws to change. Because of that, I want the audience and the people that attend the Times Talk to really think critically about how they themselves are going to respond to the LGBTQ community, as well as how the community and how Georgia College as a whole is going to respond. I agree. I feel like we all need to acknowledge what's going on because it's not getting a lot of media attention. We need to acknowledge what's going on. We need to have a growing acceptance. We need to accept these in healthy ways in order to have a better and nonviolent society. And I think something that would be important is for us to create a, an interest in the people who are coming to this time talk to get them interested in this topic. So they'll do some of this research on their own instead of just relying on what they've been told. If you come away with your own stance, that you can see that we really can work together to change this. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to thank you all very much for bringing this conversation to our radio audience. Thank you Absolutely. so much. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Oh, the pleasure has been all mine. You've been listening to Georgia College Connections and WRGC 88.3 FM. Today, we are continuing our collaboration with the American Democracy Project at Georgia College to bring their Times Talk conversations to our radio audience. If you enjoyed our conversation today and found that you yourself had a part that you would like to contribute towards it, I want to invite you to come out to the Georgia College Library at noon on Wednesdays for their ongoing Times Talk series. Today, we talked about LGBTQ inequality as viewed through the lens of hate crimes and hate crime reporting. I was joined in the studio by Cole Brogdon, Austin von Kutzleben, and Paige Overmeyer. I've been your host, Daniel McDonald. It's been my pleasure spending a portion of this evening with you here on Georgia College Connections, and I want you to know that I look forward to convening with you next time.